And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. <clears throat> this is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, September 30th, 2015. I hope everybody's having a great week and getting ready to get into fall because that's where we are now, folks. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight, a speaker, author, business consultant, producer, and director, Carly Alyssa Thorne. We're going to bring her on in a few minutes. Uh, and let's just catch up on things because, uh, last week we didn't have a show. I actually took the week off. I had some other stuff to take care of. I hope you don't mind. We've done over 150 shows now. And, uh, so there's plenty, plenty of shows to catch up on. If you haven't been able to check us out, uh, all are guys, guys, radio shows. And this is the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. They're all on iTunes, guys, guys, radio, and also, uh, through blog talk radio. And the whole Guys, Guys, if you will, movement started with my novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, which is still available. Uh, best place to get it, probably check out Amazon first and then some of the e-tailers. You can get the physical book or the digital book. Digital books, probably only about $3 or $3.99 tops, um, but you can get the physical book also. Uh, also, you can track me on Facebook, Twitter. YouTube, and uh, also my website, where I put up a weekly blog, something with substance, hopefully. We've done over 250 of them, and they're syndicated uh, at robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. So thank you for all of my listeners and all the folks who've been kind enough to read some of my blog posts and to uh, buy my novel, and there's more to come. And uh, I'm really loving doing the Guys Guys radio show because, as I mentioned in the past, we kind of started out about uh, dating and relationships and expanded it to being just how to be a better man, how to be a better person, how to be in a place where when men and women can be at their best, where everyone wins. And as a result of that, I've had so many nice people send me wonderful guests to be on the show, healers and spiritual people and metaphysical writers and authors and personalities and People just who want to do good things for the planet. And uh, so we've expanded it because that's really what it's about. When I wrote my novel, it was about a positive message. And sometimes it's hard to sell a positive message because, you know, if you look at if you look at all the media out there now or a lot of it, there's so much negativity. I was walking through, uh, you know, going to the subway the other day and all the posters were so dark and foreboding for the TV shows. There's something about uh, some type of scream TV or something where this, you know, the characters are holding up their hands and they're covered with blood. And, and there's so many about espionage and deceit and betrayal at homeland and so many others. Uh, and you know, there's, there's very, and the entourage movie was out this summer and it kind of got trashed, which, uh, uh, I think because they thought the message was a little bit old and I, I have a problem with that because, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It creates a, a world that's fun and, uh, and it's aspirational, but in a, in a real way, but it's just, what if things could be just a little bit better? And I like that. And that's how my book reads and that's how my screenplay reads. And hopefully my further creations will reflect the same energy and we'll get through and we're getting through. So what's going on out here? Well, uh, here in New York City, the weather has changed dramatically. Um, we had an extended Indian summer. And it was so hot. And it was wearing shorts and T-shirts right up to a couple of days ago. And then it got cool. And then it got warm again. 
and then really humid. Then the last two nights have been sweltering in New York, and then all of a sudden poured rain last night, yet today was very hot and muggy, and then at about 5 o'clock, the north wind, northwest winds blew through, and now it's like going down. It's not there yet, but it's going down to the 50s. It's going to start to stay cooler. So you've got this Canadian air blowing out all the humidity, and then you've got this Hurricane Joaquin coming up the coast, and who knows where that's going to land. So when you live in the northeast, and we just went through the, uh, uh, the end of summer into fall, the equinox, uh, it's always a roller coaster ride. Uh, heavy rain, heavy snow, cold. You never know what you're going to get. And it's different than living living out west or down south. Uh, it's really crazy weather that we get here. So um, so that's our weather forecast and discussion. But let's see what else is going on. Well, we've got uh, baseball is wrapping up. The regular season ends this week. And there's a whole bunch of games going on. And if anybody, any guys, guys out there are involved in fantasy baseball, uh, this is a this is a wild and woolly final week. I'm in a league I've been in for like 20 years. I'm in first place by one point, uh, hanging on and hoping to add add to that lead. But uh, so far, it was an early game today, and it didn't go that well for me. So we'll see. There's uh, plenty of baseball, but it's only about five days left. And we've got we're in the going into week four for football. Now you start to see on the news all the hype about uh, basketball. There was media day the other day. You know, where is Kevin Durant going to go next year? Derek Rose already got hurt. So lots of sports stuff. It just, it's just a machine that keeps going. Elsewhere, uh, this past week, uh, you know, there was so much I read about this giant meteor he- heading towards Earth. The, the whole thing with the Pope being here in New York, which was amazing. Um, and the UN meeting there. And then Putin and Obama meeting. And the Obama meeting with the president of China. And there was so many internet uh, postings about kind of, you know, all everything lined up to be the end of time. And uh, you know what? Just like in 2000, it didn't happen. Now, I think the energy of our planet is is ascending. And I could feel it. I got to tell you, I think the Pope's connected somehow to a higher source of energy. And he supposedly, you know, is as a vicar of uh, God, but um, regardless of your religious beliefs, I can tell you, I went running in the park the morning after the Pope took his ride through there. And I could tell you the energy was much lighter. And uh, I think his message, what he was sending, I don't agree with everything he says, but I think he's sending a really positive message where people should just wake up and keep an open mind on stuff. So that's all good. The world didn't end. The Pope came here. There was meetings with the UN. At least they're talking about climate change. They're talking about Syria. They're talking. That's the main thing. You've got to do that. Because you know what? When you look at the media, there's so much fear. I had to take care of my, I didn't have to, it was a pleasure. I took care of my son today. And I started watching a little bit of uh, TV when I took him home at lunchtime. And um, he's two years old. So I was feeding him and uh, before putting him down for a nap. And uh I started to watch, which I rarely do, turned on the TV just to see what type of stuff they were showing and all of the advertising and, you know, television is an advertising driven medium. It was all fear based. It was about, you know, your your cybersecurity, your house getting robbed, your depression, the drugs you can take. And now there it's like these psychotic drugs they are taking on top of the depression drugs. And it's like, my gosh, the side effects are worse than the actual drugs. So you got to really be careful if you want to maintain some type of joy from the inside 
Be careful on your media consumption. That's your guys, guys tip of the week. Be careful of your media consumption. Of course, you can always listen to our show because we try to keep it positive. What else is out there? Well, you know, in fall, I really love fall in New York because there's all kinds of cultural things that happen. Um, and there's a lot of new uh, music that comes out, new stuff on Broadway, new movies. Uh, the mo- new movies really haven't hit yet. They usually hit in October, but there's been some good music that comes out that came out in September. I heard, I picked up the new Keith Richards CD and uh, you know, I've read a lot of reviews of it and saw his documentary on Netflix and it's excellent because you can really appreciate this guy's love of music and he's all about the music. Uh, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, even if you don't get the CD, check out the documentary. It's free streaming on Netflix. Very good. And you get a real insight to this guy and he's not just, you know, this, uh, image that we see out there of somebody just consumed by drugs and all that. He went through everything. He's still here and he's mellowed out. And, uh, the music is, you know, it's not a Rolling Stones album. There's a lot of ballads on the slower music and there's some good rockers too, but it's, it's Keith Richards. It's not the Rolling Stones. And it's interesting to see the path he's come on, he's on and the roots that have brought him to where he is now. So anyhow, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the world didn't end. Uh, last but not least, I was just reading the Trump tax plan and heard him talking about it. And I got to say, he's been kind of coming across as a crazy man. I think he made a major mistake by talking about building that wall, because how are you going to build the wall? How are you going to round up these people? Uh, I think he did that to get attention. Now he's stuck with it. But, you know, his tax plan isn't a bad idea. And they put it through the Tax Institute and they actually gave it pretty high marks. The, the issue with him is how do you back up a lot of the things he says? Cause he's playing to people's fears and uh, we'll see how this all plays out because he's competing with uh, a lot of Republicans that and I think he's right. I don't think Jed, Jed Bush portrays a lot of energy, but he's got a lot of money behind him and he's got a lot of corporate backing behind him. He's got a lot of lobbyists behind him and he's got his, the whole Bush thing behind him. So we'll see what happens with that. And then on the other side, you've got Hillary and she's under the gun for this email thing. And, uh, or Benghazi or whatever, they're always, they're always throwing something at her. And I think part of the problem with her is, you know, is her charisma. She doesn't have a lot of charisma, but she's got, you know, she's, she's done every job imaginable to, uh, to fill out her resume. And she's certainly uh, qualified to become president. And it's long overdue having a female president of the United States. I mean, we should have had that a while ago, but things move a lot slower than you, you would expect here. So we'll see what happens. And I think the wild card for her is people who vote for her, you know, we're going to get Bill Clinton helping her out. And I think they'll wheel him out uh, as the secret weapon when you get deep, deep, deep into the general election when it's just two people's left standing. So we'll see what happens with that. So let's get on with the show. Let's talk about our guest, Carly Alyssa Thorne. You know, we have a lot of different types of guests on the show. We've had authors, a lot of authors, a lot of uh, different personalities, uh, entertainers, sports fantasy gurus, a lot of healers, uh, metaphysical writers. And uh, I guess you could, we, we could describe Carly as uh, a speaker, author, business consultant, producer, director. And she's also, also what I really like about what I read about her and my brief uh, contact with her is that she she's believes in playing it forward and doing good things for people, whether it's in her personal coaching practice or working with businesses. So let's bring her on now and learn more about Carly Alyssa Thorne. Good evening, Carly. How are you? Hey, how are you? Thank you for having I'm, me. 
Uh, fantastic. So um, why don't we start at the beginning? Um, tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, who you are and what, what your inspiration has been for developing your business in the coaching area and the social media area and all the things you do through your website because it's very multifaceted. Well, I guess, uh, you know, here's one thing I think people don't quite understand. Whenever you've been a producer or a director, you do wear multiple hats. Um, and when mm-hmm. you run events, you're having to oversee many things. And my whole life has been a path of Eastern and Western philosophies. So with more of a Western ideology, I grew up with a lot of medical problems. So I studied all the Western sciences for medical, then I studied all the Eastern principles. So my whole, la- my whole life has literally been bridge of those two things. And so it started to be a coined phrase that I was a multi-century, multimedia muse because everything I did involved the five senses when I work with clients, when I, when I do my own stuff. Um, and so this became this thing where because I wear multiple hats, there was a part of me that was always working with people on branding and how to launch something and who are they and, you know, what colors to be using and why should you be using these colors because they vibrate at a higher level, et cetera. So that was kind of like the social media marketing branding, and that is very multi-century multimedia. And then what most people understand is when you're working with someone, as let's say as a coaching client, everything's interconnected. So if you came to me and you said, I want to work on my business and I want it to double on income next year, but then we start talking and I get into a little bit of your life, everything's interconnected. So things aren't at home aren't in alignment to what your values are, to what you want your business to be it's going to affect your bottom line. So that's kind of how my coaching kind of evolved into helping people not just find out and discover what's going on with themselves on many levels, um, mind, body, business, and spirit. And a lot of people are like, how can you put business in there, mind, body, business, spirit? That's not interrelated. And yes, it is. Because your business is going to suffer if your mind, body, and spirit is in alignment to your values and to the degree you want your business to follow that. In other words, walk your talk. So that's kind of how it all kind of came together. It was just every time I dealt with someone, there was always some interpersonal thing going on that was actually affecting their outcomes in either the business world or, sure. you know, the relationship world. Now, uh, if you don't mind my asking, you, you had some health issues. What uh, inspired you to look at both the situation from a, uh, an Eastern and a Western viewpoint? And I'll tell you why I asked that question. Um, I, I had a, uh, a uh, diagnosis of opportunity a year ago. Uh, I was running and I had pains in my side and, uh, and then I had awful pains for about six hours, two days in a row. And I went to the doctor and they did a CAT scan and they said, Oh, you have a kidney stone. And Oh, by the way, you have a growth on each kidney that we, they're not aggressive, but they should be removed. So I was very fortunate. And they, I had two different robotic surgeries and they both turned out perfectly and uh, 98% chance that'll never occur again. However, what they don't tell you in Western medicine, and they're so great technologically, is that, you know, the, the growths are a symptom, in my opinion, a symptom of your body chemistry being out of whack. And so I've spent the last year not only healing, but also making major change to my diet and my lifestyle and my meditations and use of color. Uh, and things like that. And it's really made a dramatic difference because I found that Western medicine is great for fix addressing issues that you have, but they're not quite as diligent about giving you a path to a pre- prevention. 
Uh, nobody told me how I got what I got. Nobody told me what to do to prevent it again. Uh, but they did great. Otherwise, what was your experience, Carly? So that's a very interesting question. So, so here's the thing. The question of, you know, modern science technology and Eastern technologies is how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And I'll tell you why. It really goes back to your faith and your belief and what your ideology is. Because if you believe in karma, some people will be like, well, this is my karma. If you believe in fate, well, fate told me that I'm going to die with a heart attack when I'm 59. You know, it depends on where you're coming from spiritually, belief system-wise. If you look at modern science, you know, the placebo effect. To give someone, they'll put two people in the same surgeries, saying everyone's going for a, a fix for a, a new uh, tear, for example, okay, uh, a lateral release, as they call it, and they'll bring everyone into the OR, and all get the same incision. Half the people actually had the tear fixed, and the other people didn't, and yet mm-hmm. they all healed. So... When, and we really, really, and we really need to put a disclaimer out there. Okay, we're talking about medical. I'm not a doctor. I'm only talking about my own personal experiences. And encourage anybody if they're having any sort of, you know, major issues, you know, please go see your doctor, dial sure. 911, whatever you need to do. I, whenever I get into this, it's just something I feel is very important. So for me, okay, so now depending on what I believe, if I chose my parents, my parents, and I chose those parents, my mother had to needles and she was pregnant with me, and she was told to abort me or keep. So when I was born, I had a lot of autoimmune issues, et cetera. Um, at the moment, I would say I'm a bionic, I have two shoulders, I have two feet, I have calcothyroid, um, I don't have a uterus, and I've had over 32 surgeries now. That is why I studied Western medicine methodically. I wanted to know exactly what they were doing with me, what were my options, what, if anything, they were giving me. Um, and and I, I did. I studied aromatherapy. I did herbology. I did meditation. I did, I'm, a, I'm a Reiki master instructor. I'm a degree therapy master instructor. I'm a, I'm a interfaith ordained minister. So, and, and now we'll go into another section. Just tying this all together like a little neat package. What about the person who's never smoked, never done drugs, uh, lives on some ashram in Hawaii, and I actually know somebody um, that got cancer twice and now has p- since passed, who meditated every day, um, you know, ate raw vegan food. Why did this person get cancer twice and die? Right? So we have to be really careful when we're, t- we're telling people, you know, it's one path or the other path. I truly believe that each person's path is their own unique path. And for that person, it may be a combination of Western medicine and Eastern medicine, like it has been for me. There's, there's a couple of Western medicines I'll be on for the rest of my life. If I don't, I'm gonna be, I'll have a lot of problems. Do I like mm-hmm. it? No. Have I tried a thousand other things? Yes. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I eat very, very clean. I go to the gym every single day. Um, I do meditate. I do Reiki. I, you know, there's a lot of things I do for myself. And, and yet, there's still some things that, no matter that I, I, I personally can't fix unless I go to some shapeshifter in Brazil and have them, you know, shapeshift some of the bones or whatever, et cetera. So that's why I say it's how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go. So I, I truly believe it, it boils down to a lot of different things, what your belief system is. Um, like I said, you know, fate, karma, dharma, you know, all those things. And then, you know, yes, underlying, of course, disease is also attached to emotions. But then you get into the emotional part. How far back does that go? Do you believe in reincarnation? Do you believe in the law of attraction and vibration? You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those conversations that's an endless conversation. Mm-hmm. So for yourself, what was the trigger for you to look at Eastern medicine? 
and practices? Um, to, for me, because I grew up with um, sexual verbal. And how long ago was I that? I knew. Um, well, I'm 50 years old now. So um, I've had medical problems since I was born. Um, and, and so, I, you know, it's been like over 20-something years. I actually started uh, getting into Eastern medicine and, and Western in 1982. Um, and it was fascinating for me because I really did find the mind-body, you know, spirit interconnection, if you will. I got, you know, about having body things and body memories, and I could trace certain things to certain things, and it was very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that enabled me to go from an angry, bitter person where, you know, I was, I, you know, of course, when you go through that much trauma, you're a little bit angry, right? And, sure. you know, you're you're young and, you're, you know, um, but it gave me the opportunity to choose, choose life or death, like literally. It's like, you know, do I choose to be angry, bitter? Um, do I choose to go see different types of counselors, whether it be traditional psychotherapy to, you know, finding someone that was really cool and spiritual that really, I, you know, I walked in her office and she had crystals. I was like, oh, I'm finally home, right? So it was literally taking that choice, choosing that path of, wanting to integrate with myself and finding out how could I have the best life possible with the limitations mm-hmm. that I have that I probably would have for the rest of my life. So do you think, Carly, that um, that what you did you in your prior incarnations or before coming into this incarnation, let me qualify that, that you uh, chose to have these experiences as part of your spiritual path or do you think this is some randomness that happened when you were born because of your family situation or whatever? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, my mother had a choice. She made her choice. I mean, she chose to keep me, which you know created a lot of problems. And I also think, you know, my life has always been dedicated to helping others. And if I hadn't gone through all the stuff I had gone through, I wouldn't have worked for hospice. I wouldn't have worked for all the, you know, uh, I call them, to me, underdogs are awesome. I work with Down syndrome kids and autistic and paraplegic. So I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do all that. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have that compassion and empathy, you know, to understand if I hadn't, you know, gone through 32 surgeries and, you know, how many rehabs for one knee or this, you know, whatever, right? So mm-hmm. that gave me the understanding to be able to work with people that are dying. You know, how do you how do you deal with the families when people people are dying, especially working for hospice? It's a very interesting, um, very very interesting journey. So I think it's a both and. I honestly, for me, my life is really learned. the biggest lesson I think I would say is that because like you were talking about earlier when I you know about the negativity of this world in terms of the press and TV and music and all that is that we have gotten to be a culture of very black and white thinking. And I don't mean in terms of racial, like white, black in terms of race. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about right. very black and white linear thinking. There is no both and. And when we do that, we lose the periphery and all of the amazing opportunities that are out there because we're so monofocused or have, you know, the bone the dog, you know, the pit bulls holding on to that bone for dear life. So my right. journey really has been embracing both ends, hence bridging the East and the West, hence, you know, realizing that it probably is a blend of my mother made her choice in keeping me and I chose to have a pathway through my, through my storytelling, through my positive mentality and you never give up, you know, you, you can do this. If I can do it, so can you, that I've been able to help other people. So I think it's a both ends. 
Okay. Good answer. Um, what did you learn? And uh, this wasn't on my song sheet, so to speak, but uh, since you brought it up, I've always been fascinated by it. Uh, you were uh, worked as a hospice worker, and I guess you have that training. What did you learn by conducting that type of work? Because it's very, you know, it's good work. So thank you for doing that. Well, hospice is a very, you know, Anything you have to remove yourself from the situation. In other words, you can still be very loving and caring, but there's that balance of how do you caretake for yourself? Because when you do that type of work, even working with you know kids that are autistic, Down syndrome, any of that type of population, it's very draining because it's, it's a lot of work. So right. if you don't learn how to energetically keep yourself energized or, in other words, charged, um, you could walk out of being a very depressed person and, you know, obviously affect meaning other people are also to get that from you as well. So the biggest lesson I learned was a, how to deal with the person who's obviously passing away, which was a beautiful experience because, you know, you hear them talking to the other side, to their loved ones, you know, just a very, and they're transitioning. And also, you know, how to still remain a, like very open and loving to that person and really feel that, you know, even almost on a visceral level. And also not become so attached where, like, again, that draining happens. And also you have to be there for the family. So it's a very, you know, it's a balancing act. You have the person who's in the bed who's passing away. You have, you know, family members who may be squabbling or arguing or not agree. And then you, and then you have you, right? So um, it really is learning to be open, receptive, listening, like a lot, a lot, a lot of listening and a lot of empathy and being there. And then, you know, take action when more so asked to than sometimes taking action because you feel like it's something you want to do. Right. How about for the, uh, for the individuals that you've witnessed passing over? You touched on uh, the fact that they sometimes are in contact, more direct contact with other people, I guess, who passed over. But maybe, maybe that's not the case. But t- t- uh, maybe I'm just... No, it's a very valid question. Um, what what happened? What, is, I, what have you noticed? I guess that's my right, thing. So the, like, the, what's, 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 what consistent stuff have you noticed for people who are going through the passage, if you will? So I call it crossing the veil. And, and the big experience is, is there's, there's literally two kinds of deaths I've experienced. People that have never really come to peace with their world tend to die more um, anxious, more not at peace. It's more of the, I would say, rough kind of passing and their struggle. And the people that I find have really just come to terms with everything and are, are much more at peace, those are the ones you'll find talking to the other side. They'll, they'll be talking to their husband or their wife and, you know, honey, I'm coming. I'll be there with you soon. Um, you know, or, or they'll even be talking to people that are there to greet them. It's a very, it's a very interesting. But they're so, they're so. I can't explain it. There's almost like a smile when they're passing. They're just so still, so calm, so peaceful, so accepting, and just, it just, it's just an immense amount of love, immense amount of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on on the person because, you know, like I said, if there's someone that is has a, is at peace with their situation versus someone that who so I've experienced both. I've been with people that are very agitated and just not happy at all. And then I've been I've been on a very, you know, peaceful, uh, enveloping situation. So I think it really boils down to the, the person, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is uh, Block Talk Radio. Uh, we're talking to our special guest, Carly Alyssa Thorne. Um, 
let's talk about this. Uh, you touched on it earlier, uh, multi-sensory, and you use the term multi-sensory, uh, you know, from a personal standpoint, but also in business. Could you go into that a little bit for us, more, more a little bit more for us, Carly? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to realize the reason why I'm always, you know, telling people multi-sensory multimedia is a we're a technology world now, and we need to realize that everybody. I tie in psychology, theology, philosophy, and NLP, neurolinguistics, and then you're then you're then you're attaching to that color, vibration, sensory, everything, right? So if you look at a person and they're multisensory, we have to start realizing that somebody may learn better through seeing, somebody does better through action, someone does better through listening, someone does better through reading. All that is is you know multisensory: eyes, ears, mouth, right, hands, doing, action. Well, then you have to take into effect, um, literally, if someone's left-handed, right-handed, how they process. Um, so there's, there's, there's a very multi-layered science behind this, actually. And then it's going into how far someone has actually chosen. First of all, we're all psychic. I don't care if people believe it or not. Is, you know, everybody can choose and everyone's psychic. The only difference between me and somebody else or you and somebody else is that Maybe we have chosen to dive into it more, explore it more, uh, practice with it more, hone it more, right? So, therefore, because I've had all those sciences behind me and, you know, literally mystical and spiritual experiences, I've almost died several times and I've had my own um, experiences, I really became much more aware of the multisensory person. And now, because of technology teaching businesses that you have to, when you're doing social media, when you're doing your marketing, when you're doing your branding, it has to be multi-sensory, meaning um, one post may be just a written text quote. One post may be a video with, with music and visuals. One post may be uh, a, a video that's dialogue. We um, might have an actual visual that's literally a pick quote where it has a beautiful picture and has text over that. We have to understand because it is a multi-sensory world right now, people are going to gravitate or embrace or be able to absorb content more depending on what they are. Are they audio digital? Mm -hmm. Are they visual? Are they kinesthetic, right? Or are they audio digital? So all that comes into play nowadays, especially now the technology is advancing more and more and more. How do we bring now, though, this is the key piece, how do we bring in, in, in a society now has become so technology-oriented, how do we bring in the human element? And the human element comes through through literally seeing a face, seeing the lips. And that's why, for example, I, when I do my shows, I prefer the video because I can see when you're talking, right? And I see, or, or let's say I'm talking and you want to interject. I'll see your lips move. I'll see your eyes. You, you know, I can see your facial cues. And in the podcast, it gets kind of tricky because you may want to shut me up. However, to do that, you'd have to talk over me, right? Versus if someone sees a face, they're going to be like, oh, I'm, I, need to, I need to be quiet because, or I need to stop my sentence now because Robert has something to say. So I found that people connect to a face. It's no different than when you meet a person for the first time and you shake their hand. Why is it that you instantly love them or hate them and you have no idea why? Well, videos with faces and sounds and colors literally are bringing that human element back in. They see, they hear the voice, they see a face, they see the eyes. And we need to realize as technology is advancing, 
we need to keep bringing in that human element instead of everything being automated. Or, when you know, when you dial your company, it's an automated, you know, or, you know, everything's automated. So we really need to keep in, in effect understanding that we still are multi-sensory beings and to keep people engaged, there still has to be that human multi-sensory element. How, how do you determine when you're working with individuals or business clients if they're, uh, you know, what aspect of the multi-sensory platform that best suits them? Um, I have a 30, I, I pretty much I have a blueprint pretty much. And I, I put together about 38 questions and I have them answer the questions and based on those questions and also, okay, it's, it's actually a four-step process within that. So my, my first conversation may be literally just an email exchange. Someone reaches out to me, it's an email exchange. And through that email, I can, I can tell volumes. You know, what is the syntax? What is the paragraphing like? What are the words that they're using? And I'll get a lot of information from that. The next step, I return the email, and I'll ask them, you know, please fill this out. Well, now here's the other interesting part. When I get the email back, I'm learning three things. How fast did they return it? How thorough did they fill it out? Um, and did they follow instructions? So that tells you right there, are they someone that's disorganized, organized, in time, through time? And then we have the conversation on the phone, and that tells me a whole other layer. Are they talking fast? Do they pause and reflect? Do they take a long time to answer a question you ask them? And then I have an in-person meeting. And I do that for a reason. Those four steps give me the multi-sensory blueprint of who that person is. And, then, and if, it's not, if it's a business, I do the same thing. It will be the email, the email exchange, the questionnaire, the phone call, and then I go to their business. And then I actually choose to go to the business with nobody's there except for the CEO, and I walk through the entire company. And there I'm looking at the workspace. I'm working at the workflow. I'm feeling, I'm listening. Um, so it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very interesting way of finding out. And it's a very fascinating. It tells you everything. It tells you literally what the personality is like. It's amazing. So what are people, in your estimation, the majority uh, people doing wrong? So that's a tricky question because, you know, again, that's, that's a, a how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go question because the reality is if you look at it from one, one frame point, there's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing to fix, right? And you want to look at it from one, from one person's point of view. When people are saying we're, we're attempting to constantly fix things, we're attempting to constantly change things. I, really, I think it really boils down to, more than anything else, mindset. Because if our mindset is disorganized and chaotic and downer, you know, um, that, that's one trigger. The second trigger is environment. I, I love this. This is a, a great analogy. I, I tell clients, you know, I mean, one of the things I usually will do when I do the in-person meeting, I'll always walk the person back to their car. I usually in child meet outside the office first before going to an office. When I walk mm-hmm. them to the car, and I shake their hand goodbye and thank you so much for meeting me. What does their car look like? Is their car filthy? Is, um, is there trash on the floor? You know, how you treat anything is how you do anything. If you treat your car with that much disrespect, I can imagine when I'm going to walk into, when I walk into their project they want me to work on. Bets are it's disorganized and it's chaotic. Versus if I, if I walk into someone who shows up on time, you know, to our meeting, uh, or they're stuck in traffic, you know, calls me and says, hey, I'm stuck. You know, they, they've actually reached out to me. Their car's clean. They take care of it. 
you know, feng shui or energy, people think it's a bunch of woo. It really isn't. Energy is everything. Um, you know, everything's made up of energy, whether we choose to believe that or not. So you can find out volumes by walking someone to a car, um, all these other little steps. But I, I can't really say that if anything one person is doing wrong, I'll, I'll put three key points. What does your environment look like? Is it clean? Is it cluttered? How does it feel? Because if your environment doesn't feel great, odds are your work performance is going to be great. Um, when you when you undress your clothes, do you toss them on the floor or do you actually take the time to fold them and put them on a chair that you may use for the next morning or put them in the hamper? So why would the universe want to give us anything that is of value? And this, this even goes into monetary funds if you can't even treat the clothes on your back with respect. And this is what people don't get. Everything's about respect. It's about how we caretake or take care of our belonging, ourself, our being. What do we feed ourselves, you know, our, and that's, you know, food. What do we feed our mind? Okay. You talk about uh, the importance of letting go. So for individuals, for their personal growth, and for also, I guess, business practices, what is the significance uh, and what insights can you give us as to the value of letting go? So letting go is an interesting one because there, there, some of the ideology would be, you know, let go of everything. Now, so, you know, a good old thing even from AA, which I, I think the program served a lot of people, but one of the things I love about their statements that they use is, is you know, if, if you want to change a habit or something, you do not go back to those places, things, people, you know, habits, in other words, to release them. There's another side to it, too, though. People are like, you know, never, ever give up. And I always try and tell people, never, ever give up unless it's no longer serving you. We have to learn also when to let go of a project. We may have a passion that's so beyond, you know, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. And we keep on seeing failed results. Well, maybe it may not be in your fate or your timing. And maybe there's another destiny for you, whatever it is that you want to look at it. So, Letting go serves many purposes. One, it provides you a, the, literally the new gateway to what may be there for you, but you haven't been able to see that doorway because you've been stuck holding on to the other thing. And, and two, the letting go allows us to heal, forgive, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. It, and it also goes, and here's the funny part, though, a lot of people don't realize in letting go is I don't care what it is. It could be releasing weight. It could be letting go of a partnership. It could be somebody passed away. It could be moving to a new home. And every single time that you let go, there's a grieving process. People think we only grieve when someone dies. That's not true. We grieve over everything. Everything we go through that we let go on, let go of or forgive on some level, you go through a grieving process. Okay. That, um, that grieving process allows you to move forward. So you also discuss, you talk about celebrating life and why that's important. I think I have some ideas on that, but I want to hear it from you. So um, one of my favorite phrases, and, and just uh, I use all the time, is when I send person, people a happy birthday card, is I say happy birthday. Because you have to realize that every day that we wake up is an opportunity to celebrate all over again, to redo what we didn't do as well the day before to be, wake up with a smile on your face and be positive or, you know, the old thing where someone stubs their toe and they're negative all day. 
So for me about celebrating life every day is literally celebrating, A, that I'm up, breathing, walking, talking, which we, we still take for granted, and, two, celebrating the fact that I get to do what I love. And for the people to say, well, oh, that's it. maybe you have more money than I do. Maybe you haven't been through as many challenges as I have. Maybe, you know, all this other stuff. I don't care what situation anyone's in. I've been there. I've had nothing, um, and I've had everything, and I've had everything all in between. It all boils down to a choice point. We have nothing. There's free libraries. There's having the strength to go out and reach and reach for help. There's church groups. It doesn't necessarily mean they're denominational church groups. It, you know, like like I'll go back to an AA program, right? They 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 have them in churches, but it's not religious. It just happens to be that churches give away free space. Right, so I encourage everybody to find whatever program it is for you. I encourage people to seek out like-minded people, uh, find mentors, join masterminds, and it doesn't—it doesn't mean you have to have a lot of money or even a lot of time to do some of these things because we have the world of technology. There's the internet. Go take a course online. There's YouTube. There's so many vast resources out there. And I know it took me letting go of my ego. I mean, yes, we all need some ego to survive. We need an ego. And it took me a really long time to get out of the stubbornness of, I, I you know, I'm a survivor. You know, I, no one's going to hurt me again. And I'm, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. At the same time, I wasn't reaching out for help because I'm like, no one's, you know, I don't need anyone. I, I'm, I'm so strong and just by myself. But it isn't until we let go and reach out that we can really move forward. And that piece is so huge because, we want to do everything ourselves, and that ties into the three we leadership terms that I love, which is when we need to learn three major things, when to delegate, when to actually do something, and when to delete it from the list. In other words, we always have these lists, 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 and a lot of times people that are leaders or CEOs don't want to delegate because in their mind they can do it better, and no one can do it as well as they can. Well, we don't want right. to delegate, right, things aren't going to get done. And we need to know one of the things that we are good at and what we need to do, and then we need to know when to just go, this is no longer serving anybody, we need to delete it. Okay. Uh, you also mentioned uh, NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and I, I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners are familiar with that, uh, but I am somewhat. But could you take us through uh, your definition of it and why do you think it's important that's something that people should learn about? Because you mentioned that, it's something that can be used in your day-to-day life, whether it's your personal life or also with business. Yeah, um, and there's many names for it nowadays. There's um, neuro-repatterning, there's neuro-linguistics reprogramming, um, and I have to say a lot of it also is tied up with hypnosis, which is, can be very valuable as well. And there's a, there's a ton of other modalities. The premise is we have a brain, right, and if you look at it uh, in, in a way, we have a nervous system, and we have, we're all wired certain ways because of experiences we've gone through, whether in utero, during pregnancy, you know, and again, this is how far down the rabbit hole you want to go in because some people believe that you're also carrying that neurology from previous lives. Um, you know, coming into the womb, you know, in the womb, coming out of the womb, you know, and then, and then the life that we, childhood that we live. And, you know, obviously, if you, people don't know child psychology, before the age of seven, it's pretty much your blueprint of your personality. So neurolinguistics, if you get someone that knows what they're doing and they're good and they work with you on, uh, to me it's more than just neurolinguistics, can help you 
find where you're stuck and then work with you to work through the stuckness. And if you will, you're actually rewiring the pathways to change that habit or issue or fear. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the simplest way I can describe it is literally transmuting something into something else and replacing it with something else. Because in, um, I use addictions a lot as an analogy so people can understand it more. Um, so if, if someone happens to be an alcoholic, usually what will happen is they'll replace alcohol with cigarettes and coffee. Now I'm making no judgment on that because, you know, but what I'm saying is people have a tendency, they let go of one habit to grab another habit. And neurolinguistics, we do a lot of something called anchoring. So if we're, if we're releasing one habit or one fear, we want to give you something that's a positive anchor to replace that. Because basically, you know, people can die from literally taking people's drugs away, which is serious, and have convulsions and die. You can't just take, you know, candy away from someone who's got an addiction. You, you have to replace it with a better habit. And it's really dangerous because I've known, I've worked a lot, obviously I'm talking about addiction here, I actually have worked a lot with people that have had addictions of various forms and kinds, and, and people just want to, you know, fix them, you know, and, and like get them off all their meds and get them all Eastern and give them all raw food. And you can't do that. You, you have to meet people where they're at and work with them where they're at and then slowly find out what's working and how they tick to find out. Well, I guess what, what I'm saying is, Part of our society's problem, I would say this is a problem, is that we attempt to do everything as a cookie mold, that everybody is one cookie. And they don't realize that everybody is unique. So their, their body shape, their, their mindset, you know, the way they process emotions, all these things are individual to them. So you can't, like my blueprint, I tailor it to each person. If I take my blueprint and it's okay, this is what you do, it's not going to work for everybody. Because, you know, we're all individuals. We're all unique. So we need to stop putting out um, recipes or, you know, or I, I don't even like, I, personally, lifestyle choices. I don't like the word diet programs because to me it's, it's, a, it's a restriction, even the word is a restriction, is stop making these plans and going, oh, it's all size fits one. It's not. So I think that's the biggest thing we need to look at when we're working with people, businesses, people of any kind, is to look at the individual as a whole person and work with them within that. Okay, fantastic. So, um, Carly, I know you also have your own blog talk radio show, I believe. Why don't you tell all our listeners uh, where they can f- learn more about you, where they can find you, where they can hear your show, et cetera, et cetera? Um, okay. Well, I would say the easiest way is just to Google me. Uh, Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, and then A-L-Y-S-S-A, Carly Alyssa and Thorne, T-H-O-R-N-E. I'm everywhere. I mean, I have a I have a YouTube channel. I have a Vimeo channel. Um, and I'm on Spreaker. I'm on iHeartRadio. I'm on Block Talk Radio. I'm all over the place. I I, I have several shows actually. Um, I do a health show with an Ayurvedic doctor. Um, I also I interview a lot of speakers and authors and um, and people that are either in business or social media. I have kind of like five different shows. However, they've all been kind of merged into one. So, I, you know, because, of, like I said, because of everything I do, right? So um, I used to have five different shows, and it got very, very complicated. So now we just merge everything into straight talk with Carlos. And sometimes I'm interviewing amazing authors and people from movies and 
sometimes when talking to someone who's, you know, what we're talking about, um, NLP and spirituality and um, having power other and other times I'm talking social media. It depends on what's happening and, and you know, what clients I have at that particular moment and, and what needs to be spoken about. Fantastic. Okay, well, Carly, it's been a pleasure to uh, host you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope everybody checks out Carly Alyssa Thorne. Uh, just Google her, and you can learn all about her, her coaching practice, her uh, radio programs, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you've been a great guest, and I appreciate your spending your time with us this evening. Thanks so much, Carly. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much, and I wish everyone a wonderful evening. All right, fantastic. Okay, everybody, uh, that's been our show this evening. Again, our guest has been Carly Alyssa Thorne. Um, next week, we've got a great show. We have a psychic, one of the one of the most famous psychics in the U.S., Hans Christian King. He's going to be on next week, so if you want to call in and you have a question, we can set something up for you, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. I have a lot of questions for him. And we've got shows. We're booked right through January now, into January, rather, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I hope that uh, since we're getting out of summer now, we're getting into fall, that everybody's revved up and all raring to go. The world didn't end. We're still here. We've got to kind of put our two feet on the ground and also keep our heads in the clouds. So thanks so much for listening. Remember that uh, guys, guys, finish first.